Welcome to Spectacular Slovakia. I'm Michaela Terencány and today I'm back with Naomi Hužovičová, who among other things is also a lover of the Slovak folklore. Welcome to the studio Naomi and thanks for coming to tell us some of your experiences with folklore. Glad to uh, be here. I uh, asked you to talk about this topic because I know that your kids uh, are active in a folklore group. I don't know if you personally as well are part no, of it. No, I'm not, but my kids are. <laughs> and uh, we have already mentioned folklore in passing with James Thompson, who told his story about uh, a very devoted lady who went uh, with her folklore group all the way to somewhere in Tajikistan or I don't remember the country, but somewhere far, far away there to present uh, the Slovak folklore. Actually, so, my kids' group has a, a invitation to Macedonia, which for okay. you know for little kids is quite a ways. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. So it's really alive, and maybe it's very different uh, from what especially Americans or Canadians might see back in their home countries. So if you can just tell us what your experience with a folklore group in Slovakia? How does it work in Smolenica, in your hometown? Well, in Smolenica, there's uh, a children's folklore group, Cherishenka, which means like little cherries. Mm-hmm. And they this year they started playing the music as their own music as well as doing the dancing. And there's very dedicated ladies who create the choreography who make sure the kids all have their the traditional costumes get them sewn um, you have to order like special boots and it's it's a lot of work for sure and then there so usually each year or each performance will have a theme so there might be this year it was um, washing laundry so all the girls came out they have like old Um, wash basins and washboards and then they start you know gossiping and and uh and then for the children's folklore they'll usually you know play a few games or something it's not just strictly dancing and then they'll do some dancing as well for older older folklore groups they do they don't really do the game so much as just dancing um and there's and it's very specific to each region and even even each town. Um, when my kids were little, someone had, before we were, they were really young, and someone had lent us a, uh, a croix, a folklore costume to to wear to some market or something. And a lady came up and said, oh, you know, is this from the next town over, like two kilometers away? And I was like, I have no idea. And she's like, oh, because, you know, they have a different color of embroidery. And I was like, you know, so it's it's very specific each town that's just two kilometers away from each other will have different embroidery different colors even though the the basic what they wear is similar although across Slovakia I mean if you look at Slovakia whole as a whole it's very it's quite different what especially what the women wear so most of them will have an apron in Smolenica, you have at least like three or four layers. They're really hot. I have worn them before and they're quite warm. So you have kind of a, a fluffy underskirt. Apparently before, it was like the more underskirts you wore, the better. So they would have like three or four petticoats. Uh, then there's 
That's the famous famous uh, Slovak song uh, with 70 right. skirts, right? <laughs> right, Seven, Anna has 70 skirts or something. Then over top of the underskirts, there's just a back skirt. It doesn't close in the front. It, you tie it. And it's, for the region where we are, it's um, pleated in the back and you have a certain color. And then... And when you tie these, you tie them really tight. Like I'm always worried about my girl's digestion or something because like, <laughs> you have to like, you you do a, a half knot, you wrench it really tight. You got to put your finger there and then like, it's like digging into their skin. But if you don't do it tight enough, then A, they complain because they want it tight and B, it starts to fall down, all these layers. Mm-hmm. Then, and so once you put the back skirt on, Then you put an apron over the front, and it goes quite quite far back. So in the back, you can see these pleated pleats, and then the front will have, um, in our area, it's black, and it will have embroidery on it. Colorful embroidery. Colorful, uh, yeah, and the color depends on which town you're in, Okay, if you're going to be really so traditional. So what's your color in Smolenica? <laughs> oh, I, I, I know that in the next one over, it was there was like a lot of reds. Mm-hmm. In Loshenitz, I think there's like lots of reds and stuff. In Smolenica, I forget. <laughs> okay. And so then you have these, um, moving higher up, you, <laughs> you, you have these elaborate embroidered sleeves. Yeah, you? so then, then so that's the skirts. Then on, on your top, um, and this depends a lot. So you have a white, shall we call it a blouse, mm-hmm. um, but it's got really puffy sleeves. It also it doesn't have buttons. You it you kind of close it by crossing over the front, and a vest goes over top of that. You just you tie it at the top. Um, I'm like gestulating here. What it's supposed <laughs> to be? Sorry, you can't see it. And on the sleeves, some some towns have very elaborate sleeves. Smolenica doesn't, but. Um, for example, in Križovani, where my husband is from, there's lots of gold embroidery, gold beads. It's very ornate. In Krakovani, there's, um, which is towards Piesceni, it's this beautiful open hole embroidery. So it's it's not so much pictures and picture embroidery, but there's holes, and around the holes is is embroidered. They're embroidered like a border around the hole, and they're. They're just beautiful. They're so I really like that one. It's not it's not as ornate looking as all the gold, but it's very um so much detailed work. And there's a lot of different a lot of different types of sleeves. And then you have this vest that goes over top. At your neck, where you might wear a necklace, there's a collar that goes over top. So it's it's and the collar is it can be different lengths, um, but it's white kind of lacy and you put a a bow like a there's ribbons with kind of a folklore uh theme and there's a ribbon there and then in it th- must have been quite a challenge to learn uh how to dress your kids in I'm this. still learning <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I've, every time so you have two girls now involved in the in actually the all, all four kids are, okay. are, are doing it now and The two girls have been doing it for a couple years, and I, I swear every year I learn that I'm supposed to do something differently. So so you're supposed to starch these um, these blouses so that the sleeves are puffy and they stay up. 
And I, I, well, no, first I just ironed them. And then someone said, no, you have to starch them so that the sleeves stay up. And I'm like, okay, so I starch those. I, I still never starch them enough. My friend starches hers and they're like, they're stiff. <laughs> and I always do mine. I'm like, I keep putting in more starch and they're still just not that stiff. <laughs> so I just have to, someone's like, mostly starch, a little bit of water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh. Then, then I realized you're supposed to starch also the underskirts so that they, they, they're stiff and they stick out a lot. And it's funny because, um, a, a group in the neighboring town of musicians, the girls don't want to wear these underskirts because it makes you, it gives you significant hips. And, and, uh, it doesn't make you look fat. It just makes you look quite broad, which, which for, um, older, Especially older people, I think, was a sign of like health and fertility. Fertility, you had a, yeah. Yeah, you had enough to eat. You could carry these babies, and that was a really good sign. Now all the girls want to be like thin and skinny, and they don't want to wear these skirts that make you look like very wide. And I, I've worn them uh, about once a year. I wear them to a, a for fashiangi in the winter for a dance, and yeah, like. You definitely swish as you walk. <laughs> <laughs> and they're quite warm. So did you wear it also on your wedding night? Because no, some people I... do the folklore tradition where the bride and groom dress in the folklore clothes and then, you know. Yeah, when, so the attitude towards folklore has changed a lot in the last 15 years that I've been here. So we did do um, Chepchenye. So we did have, so at the end of a wedding or during the reception in the evening uh married women wore these head coverings not really a bonnet it didn't come out beyond their face but it kind of kept in their hair so after midnight you were officially married and there was kind of a little ceremony that you would put on this chepets and they would sing songs and and uh They like lifted us on chairs and we had to like drink with our arms linked and, and stuff like that. But so I did do the Chepchenye, but I didn't change into a, mm -hmm. a folklore outfit, Croy. I mentioned that because it's one of the opportunities to see uh, a Slovak uh, folklore clothes. If you go to a Slovak wedding, there's a good chance that you're going to see yeah, uh, someone they're, they're wearing Yeah, they're much more that. popular now. Right now, yeah. But of course, there are other more public <laughs> events uh, and there are quite a few in, in Slovakia each group each folklore group, group of course has its own events or, or its own shows that they perform I imagine in the village uh, in the town after they've practiced enough they want to show what yeah, they've there's, learned there's often there's often folklore I mean for the children they it's qu quite often they'll they'll do it for maybe The day for senior citizens, but but then there are also like the official, how how should I say, meetings or presentations of or parades uh, of, of folklore. There's competitions. There's folklore competitions, and there are festivals where it's basically every lots of groups come together and perform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are some major festivals in Slovakia that folklore lovers probably already know of. But maybe we will mention some that you haven't heard of yet. I would say the mecca of Slovak folklore is uh, Východna. Mm -hmm. That's uh, 
in the Tatras, more or less, a little village with a, with an open air amphitheater. Amphitheater where folklore groups from the whole country meet once a year, and then we've got Tierchova, that is a little bit further west near Žilina, a very similar event, and then there are some other in Central Slovakia. Uh, I've been to Helpa. Okay, I didn't manage to get where they were actually dancing. The person I was with, it was kind of far for them to walk, but there's lots of food. There's lot, also um, lots of pre- presentations of folklore-related things. So at Helpa, they had these beautiful textiles, you know, embroidery and kind of traditional work that they would have done. And I think the the theme of what they show changes every year. There's also Detva. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually been to a huge festival. I have wanted to go <laughs> since I got here and uh, just never worked out. My husband is not really keen to go and spend the whole day watching folklore. So my friend and I promised each other, we're like, this year we're going to do it. We're going to leave the kids behind. It's often, it's in the summer. It can be quite hot. Uh, you want to make I'm sure. And very crowded. Very crowded. These are popular lots of people, events, yeah. yeah. So you want to make sure you take like lots of water and maybe something to sit on. And there's but there's a lot of smaller ones that are nice to see too. Miava has a mid-sized festival. Trnava has one, Trnavska Brana. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's mid-sized, but it's definitely not the size of Východna or Tirchova. No. That goes, uh, that basically is one entire weekend in September. Yeah. And and that's also a chance to see folklore groups from the whole country yeah. with their different dresses. Different styles, different dances, everything. different song, music. So how does the music change? Is it about different uh, instruments or have you noticed differences also in that? There are, there's differences in the style of the music. So like, for example, you mentioned Terkova. Terkova has like its own style that's very specific to that region. There's also differences, you know, everybody might play a violin, but in some areas they play it kind of sideways like a classical violin is from the shoulder from the top of your shoulder out kind of flat and they'll play it kind of in the crook of their arm sideways basses that are kind of the size of a cello and they have a strap that goes around and it's it has maybe like two strings and it's very folklore music isn't theoretically difficult it's very basic chords basic um basic harmonies and but lots of fun. And one of the things that I, I love about Slovakia is when there is an event and everyone's there, someone will start singing a song and pull out an accordion and start playing. And everybody knows the words. I mean, they say, I've, I said this to some people and they say it, we're lo- they're losing it, that young young people now aren't learning these songs. But at least in Smolenica, the older people still, you know, and, and everybody will know all the words to lots of songs. But especially if you're from a village. But I also think that children, I mean, you also have your experience with uh, Slovak school and children do learn these songs also at yeah, school. Yeah, they do learn right? You have the music uh, class, the music lessons with, in the first four grades is mostly about folklore yeah. songs, no? Yeah. So, so something I, I suppose. I suppose you're, you're, the person's view on how much 
how much people know music depends on how dedicated they are to folklore. The person I was talking to is is very dedicated, and yeah. she's mourning the 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 loss of knowledge. But at the same time, uh, the really big professional uh, folklore groups uh, in Slovakia are still very popular. Yeah. The shows are sold out and and that's actually quite a fair chance to uh, see Slovak folklore outside Slovakia. So if you happen to hear of Sluk or a Lučnica show. And they're amazing. Uh, I saw Sluk and with my girls and it's just it's so fun to watch it was really it's professional it's well done it's just it's beautiful Luchnica I haven't seen yet because every time I go to buy tickets they're gone yeah that's it it's, it's, it's really hard to you have to like get in there right away yeah. it's, a, it's a huge show in terms of uh people like there's always yeah, a lot of production. lots of people involved special effects now they do it's like a really like a regular like going to see a musical right. show basically mm-hmm. that's that's uh, what a folklore show looks like okay is there anything else that you would like to say about the slovak folklore were you keen on folklore also before uh, you came to slovakia or did you just i've always mm-hmm. loved music and traditions so that was I mean, I would love the the folk culture of wherever I went. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm here in Slovakia, so I love Slovak folklore, but I think if I were somewhere else, I would love somewhere else yeah. just as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's definitely not a common sight to see a Canadian in a Slovak folklore costume. So yeah. <laughs> maybe if you ever visit Smolenice for a local folklore show, Naomi will be there with her kids. Uh, what instruments do your kids play? Um, violin. Viol- the oldest plays violin. The next one plays bass. She's mm-hmm. learning bass this year. They wow. needed a bass, and so I volunteered her. <laughs> <laughs> you volunteered, yeah. volunteered her. Okay. So it's it's a good way for kids uh, to learn something about music and about their culture. Yeah. Folklore is something, I mean, in Canada, you mentioned it might be different than what we know in Canada and America. And for us, these kind of customs and traditions all come from somewhere else. So, you know, you might join a Ukrainian folk dancing group or, you know, different different countries. So... When I came here, it was really important to me that my kids would know about these traditions, would know these songs, um, and that, you know, right now, they're probably, like, they don't appreciate it that much. It's just part of life. But I hope when they get older, they'll realize that, you know, these are really special things that that we have to keep teaching the next generation, otherwise they will be lost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's probably a thought. <laughs> we should leave it at that. Thank you very much for Thank sharing. You. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you like traveling around Slovakia and have recommendations you would like to share with our listeners, let us know at spectator at spectator.sk or on Facebook. For full information about traveling in Slovakia, visit shop.spectator.sk to buy our spectacular Slovakia travel guide. This was Spectacular Slovakia with Michaela Terencani, brought to you by the Slovak Spectator, Slovakia's English-language newspaper. Special thanks to Tomáš Rybar for post-production of this podcast. Spectacular Slovakia is available on spectator.sk, SoundCloud or iTunes, with new episodes out every Wednesday evening. <laughs>